Welcome to Becoming Iconic, the masterclass for you by me, Jen Spiegel. I am your host and also the founder of Becoming Iconic, which is a global brand supporting entrepreneurs in their life, business, and most importantly, leadership. I am so glad you're here. Enjoy. Well, this masterclass is one that has been on my heart and soul for a very long time. This is my friend, Rima, and Rima is a top 1% in the network marketing industry. And I say that because it's something she's very proud of and I'm proud of to walk alongside of her. But the biggest thing about this beautiful soul and friend of mine is what she stands for. It takes my breath away. And she took my breath away years ago when she stood on stage and I got to listen to her story. I'm getting a little choked up even thinking about it. And there was a lot of things that I resonated with, not necessarily in the same way with the same situation and circumstances, but this feeling as we were growing up of just wanting to be accepted and heard and seen, but not necessarily feeling that from the outside world. The other thing I really appreciate about Rima is the fact that she stands up for what she believes in and that takes bravery and courage. And she does things in such an eloquent and beautiful and compassionate way that you get to hear her important messages, but you also start to feel her important messages. And she's going to talk today about really diversity and inclusion And what she has done through her story of growing up to create change, not only in the company that she's with, but in the community she's building, it's just incredible. I've watched it. I have witnessed it. And it is a pleasure to have you on the podcast today, Rima. Thank you so much for being here. Well, thank you for having me. It's exciting uh, to be with you today and uh, for us to find ourselves in a, in a, in a space like this, um, online and connecting. It's it's new for me and I love it. Is this your first podcast? Well, this is my second. And, okay. And so the first time I did one, I didn't rec- I didn't realize it was a podcast. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> it's the first known podcast. The first yeah. known podcast. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad to have you here. And I really do feel called just to jump right into your story. If you would be so willing, the story needs to be heard. And there's going to be a lot of people who feel a level of I guess, attachment in certain ways to what you walked through as though like, oh my goodness, I'm not alone in some of the ways I felt. But at the same time, you're going to shine a light on things for us, on the ways in which we are privileged, on the ways in which we have blinders on. And I really want to rip those blinders off today and be really honest in conversation. So would you be open to sharing your story? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm um, honored that you asked. And, um, you know, it's, it's very interesting where you find yourself in life. And if you were to have asked me as a young girl, as a teen, as a tween, would you see yourself in the place that you are today? Uh, the answer would be no. I, I don't think that anyone uh, sort of grows up and um, expects to find themselves uh, where we are, where I am. And and I think that what I mean is the industry that I've chosen to align myself with being network marketing. Um, that's never a, li- a little girl's dream. But I find in so many unique ways, I was life was preparing me for this journey, the journey that I'm taking right now. And so as a young girl, you know, I was born here in Canada, um, and a South Asian, um, Canadian born Muslim. And um, I remember, I think at the age of five, my father getting ready to move us, pack us up and move us away. And um, we moved to the Middle East. My dad wanted to be closer to his mother, who was in Pakistan. My mother is um, originally born in India. And if you have um, any idea of the Pakistan, India, I mean, they're, they're, they're just, they're, they're separate countries and, you know, they were one and then they separated. And so living in one of those countries wasn't an option. So my parents moved to the Middle East. And for many of the years, I grew up in, um, Saudi Arabia from five to like maybe my early teens, like, so I would say 12, 13. And then we moved back to Canada. Never a good time to move your children at that tender age of like 12, 13, 14. Um, But we moved back. And uh, surprising to most, my life in Middle East was like almost a perfect utopian society. I was in a private British school. Um, My class had 32 children from 30 different countries. And everyone 
loved one another. So we did not see color. We did not see race. We did not see difference of faith. We just saw people. We just saw humans. And and that's kind of how I grew up. And then coming back to Canada, which has been a welcoming and an inclusive society, but coming back to Canada in the late 80s, where recession, there was a recession going on. Um, Racism was on the rise. And so coming back and entering grade eight at that point where friendships were already formed, it was a difficult time. And um, I was in a downtown school. And uh, one day on my way back from from school, I was uh, beaten up on the sidewalk. And, um, you know, the the, the whole uh, phenomena or the, the group of skinheads was on the rise. And I was beaten up because of being from a different color and a different faith. And it was very confusing for me at that time because um, you don't see yourself. If you don't see yourself as different uh, from one another to be told that, you know, we don't like you, we don't accept you, and now we're going to hurt you because you're different was a very confusing moment for me. And um, after that incident, um, my parents were given, you know, a death threat for, for myself and they decided to get up and move all the way to suburbia into Ajax. And so we moved from downtown Toronto to Ajax because of that incident. Um, Can I interrupt for a second? Because I, I don't want to skip over that traumatic event. That must have been traumatic. I'm assuming it were it was boys that beat you up? It, there were boys, but there were girls there kind of cheering them on as well. So not only a male hurting a female but purposely hurting you because they thought you were different. And I, I'm wondering what that walk home was. I mean, you said confusing, but I imagine it was even more than confusing, really probably stunning of, of what do I even do? Were you afraid to go to school the next day? Did you end up kind of staying home and being afraid or did you face the next day and, and keep going? Um, no, I didn't go back to school after that. Um, yeah. I was fortunate enough. I think I, I wouldn't have been here for, were it not for like another child who was, um, he was basically a Turkish immigrant and he was in my class, didn't know him much, but he, he kind of intervened and stopped them oh and gosh. then helped me home. And it's because he did that, that I really think it didn't go any further than than it had so much of that incident after the after is still fuzzy for me so there's there's very vague memories of exactly what happened but i do remember that pivotal point and and i don't remember anything after getting home and what what pursued after that but i know i didn't go back to school yeah. and so um it, i i do remember the feeling of confusion though yeah I, yeah. I remember the feeling of, but why, you know, you know, why? And, and I didn't understand the difference at that point. Did you embody it at that point? Did you start to feel like you were different or did you still hold on to the fact that I am who I am? That was a horrible, horrific act of violence. I just, I, 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 I felt it was a horrible act of violence by kids who weren't good Right. Um, I still did not see myself as different. Good. And so as I moved into Ajax, um, I still didn't see the difference. Good. Right. And 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 then in Ajax, and and I mentioned this because I feel so much of where we are in present time in the now has to do with our childhood, has to do with what we've experienced, good and bad. And so so that was an experience um, that that was traumatic. Of course, it was difficult. I ended up in Ajax. And unfortunately, because you're now dealing with a person who's unsure, insecure, and that's like a magnet to be, you know, for other kids to prey upon. Oh, yeah. And so in Ajax, it happened again. I was I was beaten up again. And this time um, it was it was for reasons of being overweight and because that's what happened after the incidents I ballooned up to you know over 250 pounds um and I had acne and eczema on my face I was you know very insecure and 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 so I was 
And a couple of years later, so this is grade eight, grade 10, I was I was beaten up again. And um, it was at that point that then I started to recognize the difference. I started to recognize the color, the, the you know, the faith being different, the values being different, my hair color being different, the eye color being different. And so those are the things that I started realizing after the second incidents. But once those those um, things happened, um, it, it was obviously traumatic, but I had an incredible support at home with my dad. And my dad was the type of person, I don't remember how he dealt with those two situations, but as life continued, and I know high school continued to be difficult, and I continued to be somewhat of an outcast, um, I do remember my father saying that you're special. You know, Rima, you could become the Prime Minister of Canada if you wanted. You know, you have a heart of gold. And so where walking out of the door was challenging for me, when I'd step back into the home, I was safe. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and so I, I really value that because through those dark times, it was my dad's voice and my dad's helping hand that kind of pushed me through it, mm-hmm. you know, because it's very um, easy for children, for youth. And and we see that today to take to, I mean, and we didn't even have cyberbullying at that time, but yeah. to take to um, the opinion of others and to embody that. So having somebody to say, no, that's not you. No, they're wrong, you know. This is who you are. So it was really interesting because he never turned around and said anything bad about them, but he just showed me what was right about me. And so, yeah, it was. That's a big one. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't talk. He didn't talk about them. And if he ever did refer to them, he would say, Rima, you know, they must be hurting inside. They Mm -hmm. mustn't be loved. And the whole concept, I mean, I'm 47 now. So the whole concept of self-love and I mean, that's fairly new. Our generation, the Gen X, didn't grow up with the concept of self-love and pouring into yourself. But I find it so incredible that my dad, who's no longer with us, was always talking about, you know, Rima, it's 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 them that maybe they're not getting love at home. You're loved. And so he would he would make that kind of distinction of how important it was to love yourself. So he would say, pray for them rather than get angry at them. Pray for them that wow. they find peace. How impactful, how impactful, how beautiful. I can just imagine how much belief he poured into you. And I think that was probably the most beautiful example you could have had at that time because more anger would have just fueled more anger. And instead he dropped you into compassion and love when it would have been easier, I'm sure, to be angry and bitter and resentful to the people that physically and emotionally hurt you. I'm sorry. I, I, when I, uh, and cry. <laughs> it it's it's tough. And 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 you know, Jen, I would not have even been able to speak about it before. So you found me um I guess when I spoke on stage and at that time um I had gotten to a point through therapy and everything that I could speak about my journey. Yeah. But pri- it took years for that to happen. I'm sure. I couldn't speak without breaking down. I'm sure. And 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 why I share that story, um, those stories, is because that was so much part of what gave me the strength to do the things that I've done with the business that I'm in now. Yeah. And you know, because it's 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 such a it's such a good reflection. And so I think to myself that if I had to go through that to get the strength that I need to go through in a different way what what I have gone through now or what I am experiencing, then that's that's worth it. Yeah. You know? Um, and that's how I've had to look at that part of of my life. Right. So it's 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 just um it's it's interesting because I think um to be able to speak about it and to be able to reflect like that's been my self growth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, it, it's beautiful because it's, it is, it's that saying of turning your pain into your purpose. And I see you live that, which I think has so much more power than just you know, proclaiming your stories. You're living the purpose through some of the pain that you've experienced. And I, I just want to edify you publicly for that because you do, you walk the talk. And I think that's 
another reason why I look up to you so much in your leadership for this, because you have become an advocate and you share your story in a way that people can learn, feel, but also change. And you are doing that through an industry that also gets a lot of adversity, doesn't it? I mean, it's not an easy industry to participate in, and yet you grew a huge organization through it. I have, I mean, all the evidence would show why because of your resilience and your tenacity and your strength and your compassion. And I remember you talking about your dad on stage. And I remember thinking you are that version of him living on because you do that now for other people. You're passing on that gift he gave to you to others. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's amazing how, um, when I hear that, that's such a big compliment because like to me, my dad is untouchable. Like no matter what I do, you can never be that good. And so that is an absolute compliment. But I really love the way that he lived his life. And I love the lessons that he taught because it is a much joyful place like to be in 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 a place of gratitude and happiness and contentment versus hate. And And I always tell people that, you know, love and hate cannot coexist. It just can't, you know, and and. Sometimes, many times in my life, I felt like I was on the outside looking in. And so pretty much throughout school, that's how I felt. When I um, was approached by a friend to introduce me to the network marketing company that I'm in, I was very hesitant because just like you said, the industry itself um, is the most, in my opinion, most mis- a misunderstood industry out there. And um, there's a lot of skepticism because there's a lot of unknowns. There's there's um, a huge benefit with the industry because anyone can become a part of it. But that is also the negative that anyone can become a part of it. Right. And because of that, we unfortunately, as humans, we learn more or we we get affected more by the stories of those who failed versus the stories of those who succeeded. And, and so when I was introduced to the industry, it was something that, that I did not want to become part of because of all the stigma and the skepticism and the negativity around it. But I was able to separate what I had heard as hearsay. Um, and I was able to hone in on to the person who was sharing it with me, who was successful. And when she talked about the particular um, community that I'm part of, she talked about the inclusivity of the opportunity that anyone could be part of it. She talked about a community that was loving and she talked about a community that was inclusive. And for the first time I felt in my life that I could become part of something. I could become a part of a community where I would no longer be on the outside looking in. Mm. And, and so Part of the reason at that point of jumping in was wanting to be part of a community. Yes, there's also the the, the typical stuff where I wanted to be home with my, my son. I was pregnant with my second. I had run a very successful recruiting firm for 10 years. And we had a lot of success and accolades and, and, and the business was doing well. I didn't leave a, a, an unsuccessful business. I left a thriving business to to make better choices for myself and my family. So all of those things are true. But personally, I wanted to be with a community where I felt accepted and and where I felt seen. And the promise of that was enough for me to forget about any of the naysayers and any of the negatives. The promise of that or the, the hope for that was why I decided to jump in. And jumping into that opportunity was exciting because it was, it is a brand that anyone can succeed in. And that was something new for me. Um, In my recruiting firm that I ran, I had a professional search division and an executive search division. And oftentimes it disturbed me um, when I was brought on for a project and I was told out front that, you know what, for this project, we need 70% white, 30% color. And, and, and these conversations happen. And, and so, and so at that point, you decide, am I taking the project? Am I not, you know, And, and that was what I was exposed to. And so you have to understand coming from that kind of environment where, um, behind the scenes, you know, you're, you're, you're being, 
classified into color. Um, and then coming into an opportunity where anyone can come in and through their own hard work and effort can succeed. It seemed like an exciting thing for me. Right. And so I, I actually jumped into the opportunity and decided to become part of it. And what I had seen, and, and I'm just very open when I talk about color and faith and, and that's just Please. who Please. I am. So when I came in, I saw this brand, I saw a company with roots. I saw, um, a beautiful story. And then I saw 90 something percent of people white, um, and successful and loving and caring and giving back. So when I was looking at, uh, you know, the, the top of the top in our brand, when I was looking at those who were successful, I was seeing that, um, they were giving back to charities of their choice, communities of their choice. They were giving back to their faith. And it inspired me, Jen. I was so inspired. One of one of the the, the events we went to and on stage, um, the individual who was speaking, she ended with, you know, thank you, God, I'm forever your humble living servant. And not everyone is a person of faith. Not everyone. Um, some people believe in spirituality. And, and I think that's great. Everyone needs to find their thing. But for me, even though I was a person of a different faith, to see a woman of faith, thank God, it just, it blew my mind. And in that moment, I decided that I wanted to create a space for my community of Muslim women to gain financial independence and to be part of a community where they could become someone like the woman that I saw on stage and one day we could thank God and we could give back to the charities of our choice. And that was what kind of inspired me to uh, begin a journey of, of inclusion. Um, and and that's, that's what I've been so excited about doing. And it hasn't been easy. There have been a lot of struggles. There have been unexpected um, roadblocks, <laughs> but... It is, it is what inspired me. It was a woman of a different faith, a white woman, a white Christian woman who inspired me to do the same. Wow. I love the fact that you saw the commonality between the two of you versus the difference and that that was the spark of inspiration. So I feel like this is calling us into a great discussion around companies, businesses, brands, entrepreneurs. How can we be more inclusive? What are things, what are steps, what are words, what are program services, marketing, sales? What can we do to be more conscientious and serving to the masses to not only have one group of clients, but instead open us, ourselves up to everyone? It's, it's a really, it's a really interesting thing because I really think it goes back to, I mean, there's so many things that you can do. You can, you can say, let's develop a, a marketing team like this. And, you know, strategically, logically, there's a lot of steps that come into place. I feel part of that though, that's all great. And those things need to happen. And I, and I worked for a long time with our corporate head office, you know, to get some of those changes and and as you know, with any corporate structure, you know, people in, in, in a corporate environment change. People come and people go. Right. And um and, and within our brand, we've seen that several times. You know, it's gonna be 12 years that I've been with the brand this month. And um so we see people come and go, and when people come and go, values shift as well. Right. And and so um from that corporate side, that was one journey that we that I had to sort of, you know go on and deal with. But I think what it comes to at the, at the end of it is your own personal core values and, and finding people who it's, it's such a challenging thing because I can get a marketing person to, to start, you know, being a little bit more inclusive and having diverse materials and whatever else. And that may happen for that moment but if it's not a core belief that you carry, it may not be something that that person thinks is of value moving forward right. to the next step. Right. And so I really feel at the core of it, we need to start understanding each other as humans first. 
Mm-hmm. That is that is where where it starts. And if it isn't something that you grew up with, if you grew up in an in an environment, it could have been an loving environment for you. It could have been an inclusive environment for you. But how do you feel towards those who think differently than you, look differently than you, behave differently, believe differently? How are you with those people? And so for for myself, um, having seen that beauty in, in, in the business that I'm in, that inclusivity and all of that, on the flip side, there was inclusion for people who, who looked the same, but there was fear. And I think that's what it is. It isn't, it isn't necessarily hate. Sometimes it is, but it's fear of those who don't. And so I, I feel that as included I was by the community of our brand, there were the pockets of people that were people of influence, that are people of influence, that had a real problem with the message that I was trying to share and what I was trying to do. And, and I think that's because of fear, a fear of the unknown. Yeah. And, um, and so, so how do you... How do you create that sense of knowing within themselves? Will you try to become known? So when I when I come on stage and I speak, yes, I'm speaking for the brand and what I believe in and maybe, maybe a little bit of what I've accomplished and there's so much more to grow. But it's also so that people can get to know who I am and know that we are more similar than we are different. Yeah. And that's the message that I really want to portray when I get up on stage is I am more like you than I am unlike you. You know, um, I have the same fears as a mom that you probably do. I have the same hopes, dreams and desires for myself as you probably do. I probably want to do the same for my community and my faith as you want to do. And, um, you know, people say that, you know, we all bleed the same. But what does that mean? That 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 really means at the core of it, we we want love and peace and to be seen and to be heard um, those are the things that we want. Yeah. Yeah. No one wants hate. No one wants indifference. Nobody wants, um, you know, war. Nobody wants any of that. Who no. would willfully ask for those things? That's it. And you brought something up that I think is really important to emphasize. And you're right. I, I was actually interesting. I'm just going to bring this up because my husband, and I had a discussion around this last night and it populated in my mind as you were talking, we were watching this commercial and it was two men who were obviously in a gay marriage and white men. And then they had a black daughter. And I said to my husband, I said, sometimes I feel like in marketing and advertising in our world today, we're trying too hard that it almost becomes artificial and it's not the value. It's not the feeling of inclusion. Instead, it's like we're doing the right thing to look good to the public eye. And I don't believe that that's the right intention. I think it actually hurts a company more than really grows and solidifies a company. And I, I asked myself these questions and I started to think of Black Lives Matter and how for a moment in time, I felt like the world stood still and heard the stories of Black men and women who were hurt deeply, who hadn't felt heard ever. And we finally were hearing them. And I've watched our world just kind of go back to the way it was. Maybe there's some shifts and changes, but the voice I feel has softened. And I feel like we just got back into the rhythm of life and that disrupts something in me. I don't want to participate in that. I want to continue to grow. I want to continue to look at things and have hard conversations and recognize the areas I need to look at and, and maybe look at differently with more compassion or recognize ways I'm showing up in my privilege. So this conversation today was really important to me for so many reasons, selfishly, because I want to hold myself accountable to always being an inclusive leader, but also for this community, because I will not stand here and build a brand that doesn't talk about these things that doesn't know what Muslim even means. And that's kind of circling back to where I started. You brought up the point of getting to understand other people and the effort. It takes a small amount of effort to understand what that means, what that religion holds, the beauty of it. 
And when we understand things, I believe we soften. I believe the fear starts to dissipate because exactly what you said, just to emphasize what you said, we start to see how much we are all so much alike. It's so true. And and you bring up a good point. The tokenism of throwing in yes. the gay person or the black person or the Muslim woman with a hijab, um, that tokenism is more damaging than it is inclusive. And 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 that is um and and that's kind of like, you know what, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna throw in that person or that image or whatever, and I can say I've done my job. Right. And but the thing is that you are now growing up in a world and the generations that come after mine, like the Gen Ys, the you know, the Gen Zs, um, they are a more conscious group of of people that I feel are just so much wiser than than my generation was. I admire them. And and they recognize, I think, people for people, more so, you know, where we would classify them for the differences. Um, they recognize that. So the tokenism of things I've I've had a problem with. Um, I and and that is one thing that I I feel we made progress with in, in our brand, where I would bring that up. You don't want the token person. You want a nice mosaic of of people, yes, of, of people that are from all backgrounds, and um, and and all faiths and all colors and all genders, and you just want a group of people. And it and it it isn't about what you personally believe. Like you may personally not believe in in the acceptance of a certain faith or a certain gender. That may be your personal belief. That may be based on whatever. That's fine. You can have your personal opinions. But when it comes to being part of a community, uh, a brand, a, a company, an organization, we have no choice but to be inclusive in the day and the age that we are in. And, um, and, and if we don't speak out for it, who is? And so I know that when I started asking for things within our brand, I asked for, you know, the inclusion and marketing materials of of not just people from my community, but from the different communities that were present that were not being seen. And, and, And I asked for that not because I wanted to grow, you know, which I've been often told you want to grow the Muslim community of women. No, you can grow within the Muslim community of women, if you understand who we are, because there's billions of us, there's millions of us. And so it's not just about me growing my business, but you could actually grow yours. If you chose to be a little bit more welcoming, or if you chose to, to, to understand who we are. And I think that when you talk about um, the black community, uh, there has to be a sense of acknowledgement you know, in the world, but especially in the West, especially, you know, in, in, in North American communities of the, the horrific experiences that they have gone through and that they continue to grow through. There has to be an acceptance of that mm-hmm. and, and not a blaming and a shaming and whatever, but an acceptance. And if we don't accept the things that we've done or that the things that we've been part of or the things that we've ignored, because sometimes ignore, ignorant, like ignoring situations is more harmful than actually doing something. And so if if you're not going to accept that, how are we going to grow? And and I do believe that that love amongst all is possible. I do believe that. And I believe that comes from like understanding, like start to understand. So when you when you are loving and accepting of your own community, but you cannot take a moment to to welcome me as an example welcome someone different, or understand someone who's different, then in essence, what you're doing, it, to me, it falls short. The, the, the credibility and, and the, the wow factor isn't from accepting your own kind. It's actually from taking in someone that you don't necessarily agree with their points, their values, their faith, but you can say, you know what, I see you. We are different, but I can still love and accept who you are. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, what we want to achieve in life is the same. And I think everybody wants to do the same thing. We want to leave this world a better place for future generations. We all want to do that. Yeah. Yeah. 
Oh, I could listen to you all day. You know, it's interesting what comes up for me. And this is more of a question than a statement because I'm not entirely sure I've thought this through, but I wonder sometimes too, if people have been comfortable in their community. So let's talk about, um, uh, let's talk about my home. So raised by a white father, white mother, we're as Canadian as Canadian gets. And so for me, sometimes I wonder if I listen to conversations at family gatherings, which has been very inclusive, by the way, I've raised in a home that sees people for their hearts and their souls. I'm so grateful for that, but I have heard things and I wonder if it's a fear of, if I accept somehow that's denying or taking away from my beliefs. I wonder if there's that subliminal feeling of like, if I accept this other religion that looks very different from what I practice, that somehow I'm betraying or denying my faith. And so I am going to actually make a statement. And then I would love to hear what you say, because I'm kind of riffing here, but I want to tell people you are not denying yourself by accepting and understanding somebody else. As a matter of fact, I think it expands us to far greater, more beautiful things. What, what's your take on that? Do you believe maybe underlying some people feel like if I accept you, I'm denying me. Do you feel like that's the truth? A hundred percent. Absolutely. And, and, and I feel that, um, I see that within my own community. Mm -hmm. I, I see that within my own. So I've often been told that, you know, I've been asked, not told, but asked like, you know, you have like some of your best friends are white Christian women. Are you not afraid of your kids being around that environment? Mm. And and I get that question a lot from within my community. Are you not afraid? And I and and my response always is, I said, what you're seeing is a Christian white woman, but what you're not seeing is a woman who's a mom and who's a woman of faith. And we both believe that you know, there is a higher power and there's a consequence to our actions. So my kids are growing up around a community of mothers that believe that there is a consequence to the actions that we take. There is a higher power and believing in, and this is not advocating for, for God or religion or whatever, but I just feel that because I believe that there is, at the end of my life, God is going to ask me, this is what I gave you. What did you do with it? What did you do with your life? And and I always feel that God is going to ask me. I Rima, you could have been born in developed, you know, underdeveloped third world countries. That's where my my family came from. You could have been living there. You could have been subject to war, war, and 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 massive poverty. And I didn't put you there. So God is going to say, Rima, I. You were you were sent to Canada. You were you were part of Canada. You have a roof over your head. You have a home that you're living in, clothes on your back, food that you ate. What more did you do with the life I gave you? And and that's what I believe that I'm going to be asked. Not how good of a mother I was. I feel like in in the Western world we're so consumed with our own home that we we tend to not look at what's around us. I've seen. By visiting my parents, you know, country of birth, I've seen the poverty, I've seen, uh, you know, just politically unrest, I've seen so much that I know what a privilege it is that I was born here. And being a mama to my three kids and a wife to my husband isn't enough, I need to do more. Because mm -hmm. I have those basic necessities that the majority of the world doesn't have access to. So um, is there fear that yes, yes, I've been told, I've been asked many times, aren't you afraid that your kids are going to, you know, leave your faith? Why? When part of the faith, if you look at any book, like whether it's the Bible or it's the Torah or it's the Quran, whether you look at them, it's all about loving, like love thy neighbor. We all have that. And so mm -hmm. what does love thy neighbor? Does it say love your white Christian neighbor? No, it says love thy neighbor. And, and it can be your black neighbor, your Latina neighbor, your, you know, brown neighbor, your Muslim neighbor, your Jewish neighbor, your gay neighbor. Like, that's what every book teaches us. And so I feel that there is a level of fear because we want to be true to our values, to our faith. We want to be able to meet our creator and say, I did what you asked of me. But I think if you look into it, 
what our creator wants. And I think God is one and we all, you know, worship and pray to the same God. And that's what I believe. And I think at the end of the day, what God wants is us to be accepting and inclusive and, and keeping it within your family isn't is incredible. It's when you can bring other people in and still hold true to who you are. That's, that's the credibility. Can you be a strong Christian woman, even when you're surrounded with women who are Muslims and, and or people that are Muslims or Hindu or Jews or Sikh or Buddhists, can you still be who you are? Mm-hmm. And um, and so I have never chosen my friendships based on a similar faith or a similar color or gender. I've chosen people that are human, that resonate to me. And it just so happens that I've been attracted to people of faith. And, um, and yes, some of my closest friends are beautiful Christian women. Um, but I feel like we, I feel like we are similar. Mm-hmm. I, I feel that connection mm. and I'm well, not afraid. I'm not afraid. My kids are growing up to love people for who they are yet hold very strong to their values. They're stronger in their faith than I am. And um, that's by exposing them to every kind of person that you can think of. Amen. I heard a quote recently that shook me in the right way. It said, unity does not mean uniformity. And when I heard that, I thought that needs to be tattooed across all of our hearts and our brains to be unified together does not mean that we all look the same, think the same, feel the same, have the same opinions, the same approach, the same values, even you brought up love. And to me, that is the ultimate, most beautiful way of existing in this world is loving people and looking at every individual as having an opportunity for them to teach us something, to teach us a way of being more compassionate. I've learned that with you today. I've learned a deeper compassion through your, your presence. You know, Jen, I think the, the one thing that really made sense to me, I had a conversation with someone once within my brand, um, and, and she was really trying to understand people. And she said, Rima, trust me, I don't see color. I don't see color. I'm a person who doesn't see color. And I said, listen, I go, that is probably the most offensive thing that you can say to a person of color. And, and her point was, and she goes, what do you mean? And, and this, is, this is a beautiful white Christian woman. And she's like, what do you mean? And I said, what you're trying to say is that you accept everyone. I said, when you say, and I said, I hear it often where people say, I don't see color. I said, when you say that, what you're essentially, what the person is hearing is that you don't see their struggle. You don't see their pain. You don't see how they have been discriminated against. You don't see the challenges they faced. And so similar to that point of unity and uniformity, it's the same thing is that you want to be able to say, I see color. I see you. I see the struggles you went through. I see the differences and yet I accept you. And 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 that is sort of, you know, I I I pray and I believe, I do believe, John. I do believe that we can get to a place where we see each other. Yeah. That beautiful image that you said with the mosaic, I really appreciated that imagery because that landed for me. I thought, you know, it's so beautiful when you see mosaic art, all these pieces that have been broken, but put together to create the most beautiful piece of, of artistry and how we can do that in our lives. So what I've taken from this conversation, I just want to reiterate a couple of things. And if you have anything to add or tweak, step in. But what I've heard from you is number one, we lead with love always, and that we lead with love by better understanding people, making the effort to understand people, their, their culture, their beliefs, their values, their families, their history. So that is a call to action for me. So anybody listening in, if you really desire to be a person who walks through your business, your life this way, this is on to that you to take on the responsibility to learn about people. And when we walk into a room, it's not about them conforming and molding to us. And instead us being able to stand in everybody in their power and just be with each other in a room, nobody conforming to anybody, but just being the other thing I heard from you is compassion. 
the idea that when we have traumatic events with people, whatever that looks like for somebody's life, we could, we could hate, we could hold on to anger, but what your dad taught you and now us is to pray for them and realize that there must be some deep wound or hurt within them that they would react and behave the way they did. I really, that really stuck with me as a mom, because I can only imagine how much rage he probably felt for his precious daughter to have been physically assaulted and to look at your beauty and look at you with the eyes that he had. It must have been really difficult. That says a lot about your dad and that time to stand in love with you versus be angry. I I think that would have been really easy as a mom. I think that would have been really easy for me to do. So thank you for that lesson through your dad. And I also learned through this is that we don't have to force anything. We don't have to. I love that you use the term token. I really loved that term, especially because I teach so much marketing. Like we don't need to have the tokens. We don't need to make a huge effort to prove ourselves and our inclusion. Instead, it gets to just speak for itself because of the way we carry ourselves and care for the people around us. Is there anything you would add? No, I I, I think that uh, ask, uh, people are afraid to ask questions. So, so hate, I think, comes from hate eventually is, is something that develops because of fear. So if you speak to any of my incredible friends that are from the Black community or, or the African-American community, if you speak to my friends from the South Asian community, the Muslim community, um, oftentimes, I think within the white community, there is a fear of, of what they don't know or what they don't understand, and also the fear to ask like afraid to ask questions. I think if you ask any person of a diverse background, gender, color, faith, if you ask them, would you be offended if somebody came up to you and asked questions that they didn't understand? They would say, no, we would absolutely love that to bridge that gap of, of, of understanding, right? Like to bridge that. And so my, my final thought would be that ask questions, be brave enough to to ask and to to question what you don't understand because chances are when you do that what's going to come out of that is I feel like an explosion of love and understanding and so don't be afraid to ask Mm, thank you for that I, I I have to admit openly that that in the past has been a big fear of mine because I've been so fearful of saying the wrong thing of not wanting to offend and so sometimes by not asking the, the silence is still participating in and perpetuating the issue. Saying nothing is not meaning that you're helping. Saying nothing is still a form of participating. So I had to hold myself accountable to that. That was actually through my daughter. So you're right. That generation coming up is far more educated and open and just their dialogue with each other is, is absolutely inspiring. But I do believe that asking questions and having the, the courage to actually look wrong because maybe you're going to say something or ask a question that is offensive, but you need to learn that that's offensive. You need to learn from someone who can teach you. That's not the correct way of, of behaving or thinking or calling or speaking. And that's how we all get better. Absolutely. A hundred percent. And I, and I really appreciate, you know, the woman in, 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 in my corporate structure, like that, that, leaned out and said, well, this is what I see. I don't see. And I think that conversation was so good for her because she said that changed how she went and moved on and, and spoke to people of, of different backgrounds. And I think asking is, and, and that's one thing that I feel I have invited within my business is that, that permission to ask. I'm mm-hmm. not going to be offended. I'm not going to be angry. If anything, we'll come out understanding each other more. Yeah. And, and that is the hope. The hope is even within, you know, the world, but for, for sure within my brand is to one day be able to walk in and not be able to identify 50% this and 90% this, but just a beautiful array of wonderful people. And, 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 and what we have right now, I feel in, in our business and, and the corporate uh, environment, I really believe that we're in the best position to grow with diversity and inclusion and, there's a lot of work to be done, but it's, it's, it's a great place to be. Beautiful. 
Oh, Rima, you are a gorgeous soul. And I really, really appreciate you coming on and sharing this because it is important within my brand to continue this conversation and not be an active participant in the silence, but to carry forward and, and challenge those of you listening. You know, we have this podcast is completely global. We are in every country in the entire world. So I believe there's a lot of people listening today that are saying Rima, Rima, you know, just chanting your name, saying thank you for sharing your story and holding people accountable to asking and understanding. And then there's also going to be people listening who feel a little exposed and probably like, oops, I, I am not doing a great job here. So this podcast to me feels very inclusive because I know there's people on both sides of the equation that have felt seen, heard, and also a little bit called into us all being better and, and making that our intention today. So thank you so much for being here. Where can people find you? So uh, Instagram is a great place to find me. I think that that's wonder LinkedIn, uh, Instagram, all of, you know, those are sort of my two main sources, Facebook, uh, Facebook, um, you can follow, I can't add any more friends, (laughs) but I think Instagram would be a wonderful place. Wonderful. And I'll have everything linked in the show notes for everybody. Go follow Rima, learn all about her, hang out, and um, please do share this podcast with your community, especially if you're a leader of an organization, an executive team, any type of group you're leading. This is an excellent podcast to share, to start building the conversation, to have some dialogue afterwards. What did you think? What struck you? How could we be better? I hope this is the seed for a lot of really beautiful conversations and people's organizations and businesses. So thanks again, Rima, for being here and teaching us all. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to Becoming Iconic, the Masterclass. You being here really matters to me. Generosity is a core belief and value of this brand. And I wanted to give you three simple ways of being that and leading that right now in your life. Number one is leaving a five-star review on whatever platform you're currently listening on. This is a beautiful way of extending this podcast out to the world and new faces and heartbeats learning about it. Number two is sharing on your social media. Please make sure to tag me, Becoming Iconic, and I'll be sure to reshare you and just keep the love going. And number three is cut and paste this link into a text and send it to somebody specific who came to mind as you were listening. Maybe there was somebody who you felt would really benefit from this conversation. That's such a beautiful way of sharing with someone else and also sharing this podcast. Please know that generosity is also something I model all the time. And we have the Manifestation in Motion course for free for you over the Becoming Iconic website. It's becomingiconic.co.co. It's sitting there waiting for you. Five recorded modules, downloadables, and it is so sacred and special to me because this is the course that I taught right before my social media was hacked and taken away. And because of this course, I was able to capture so many memories and photos and all the beautiful value I put out. So it didn't feel like a total loss when that happened. It's really a beautiful way of manifesting in your life and these beautiful rituals to support you in that. I appreciate you being here. You matter to me. This matters to me. And now we are called in to go and make it a great day.